0: Welcome to the King's Cost, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Praise God. Well, if you turn in your Bibles this morning to Romans chapter 6, Romans chapter 6, and just be ready there if you could. We welcome all those listening by way of the internet this morning. And for those who've downloaded the podcast, we welcome you. Well, last week, if you were here last week, you will know that I started a series, a three-part series, began last week called Let It Go. And hopefully you got something from last week in that what I talked about was in that first part was basically about unforgiveness. Sometimes many of us in our lives, we don't need physical healing, but we need God to help us to forgive others. And sometimes we need to come back to God for his forgiveness as well. And I looked at what what the problems are when we hold on to uh, this kind of unforgiving heart towards others. Some of us can treat it like, well, I'm dealing with it, it's okay, it's something I'm dealing with. But the truth is this, that I believe that the Bible encourages us that we need to forgive others because bitterness will grow in our hearts and then we'll begin to hate that person. Jesus said to hate someone is like murdering them. That's how serious he put it. And so I believe that these kind of things that go on inside of us are important that we cut them out, we get rid of them, and we release these things and let them go because they have enough to destroy us rather than build us. I believe that Jesus is in the business of building people up. His spirit is in the business of building our lives up, amen? Not to discourage us and not to put us down. So last week we looked at what it was to recognize the debt that has been paid for you and for me. You see, the servant who went in this kind of parable, this story that Jesus gives, this servant is, is been forgiven by, he releases and lets him go from paying a debt that he owes. Every one of us have a debt that has been paid. If you've given your life to Jesus, you'll know what that is. Every one of us understand that a debt has been paid. We were once in the red, now we're in the black. He's paid the price for you and me. And from knowing that, when we understand that Jesus has paid our price, he's paid the debt off, we have the power, or we should do, to release our debtors. That we have the power to set other people free. And some of us, do you know what we do? We hold on to people. And this, this guy, the servant, he, he kind of makes this other man pay uh, so much uh, smaller amount because he holds on to him. And some of us in our hearts, due to unforgiveness, we hold on to these things and we can't move on in our Christian walk. And I really believe, as I looked last week, that if we do these things, these practical steps, and we allow God's Spirit to help us, then we'll restore our hearts. Our heart, you know, your heart is, is a very important thing. Did you know that? Our heart is such an important thing, we should monitor and watch what is going into our hearts. It's the wellspring of our lives. And we've got to be careful of what we allow in. Unforgiveness and bitterness will cripple us if we're not careful. One of the, one of the scriptures I brought last week just to kind of sum up or to kind of launch us into this uh, series was Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 to 3. And I'm going to remind you again of what it says. It says, therefore, the author says, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. So in other words, last week we were kind of looking at that throwing off everything that entangles us. It's not, he's not talking about sin because he says and sin, but throwing off the things that get us wrapped down, bogged down. And I believe sometimes in our hearts, it can be unforgiveness and things that we talked about. But today, I want to look at the sin that so easily entangles. I'm a believer in this church of preaching on sin. Some people uh, kind of avoid that kind of area. They don't like to talk about sin because it upsets people. But I believe that the cross of Jesus Christ is offensive. I believe the cross of Jesus Christ, if you want to really monitor and and observe what Jesus did on the cross, what he did for you and for me, if you want to really look at the debt that was paid for you and for me, it's offensive. It's very offensive. And it's offensive enough to draw us back to him every time. And so today I want to look at sin that so easily entangles us. The New King James Version says, puts it like this, Hebrews 12, it says, the sin which so easily ensnares us. You've seen those kind of nets when they're trying to capture someone in the jungle and the, the net comes down and snares someone and pulls them up. Do you know that sin is like that? One day you're walking, you feel free, you're walking through the jungle as it were, and one of these nets all of a sudden, the trap is there and you've walked down the wrong path in your life. Then all of a sudden this, this net would snare you up. There is no way of getting out unless someone let you free again. And some of us are like that today. We've been ensnared by sin. We've just took one few too many wrong decisions and we find ourselves ensnared. And as we said in the, in the other version, NIV, it says entangled. Maybe today you feel saved. I've given my life to Jesus. But why is it that every now and again I just seem to feel so entangled and ensnared? It feels like I've been robbed into this net, caught up in the trees, and no one's there to help me. Sin is a powerful thing. Let's look at Romans chapter 6, verse 1 to 14, as we see what Paul describes about this relationship to sin when we are saved. Hallelujah. He says this, verse um, 1 going through to 14. What shall we say then, question mark? Shall we go on sinning? so that grace may increase. In other words, he's talking to Christians. He's saying, you've got a choice. You know, sin doesn't vanish when you're a Christian. He says, so what shall we say? Now you're free, shall we just keep on going sinning and and, and, and do this? So that grace may increase. In other words, what he's trying to say is, if we sin, then we'll just make grace look better. Because we, the more we do, it looks as though grace has the power to, to cover that. But then in verse 2, as soon as he says this, he comes with this, by no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer, he says. Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. Hallelujah. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the father, we too may live a new life. That is amazing. If you don't get excited about that, there's something wrong that you may live a new life. If we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Verse 11, in the same way, isn't that amazing? In the same way, he says, count yourselves dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. Verse 14, for sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. Hallelujah. Verse 15, what then? Question mark. Shall we, shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are as slaves of the one you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. Beautiful words. Verse 18, you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What awesome scriptures, what awesome words as Paul describes and uses almost a parable, almost a description of a slave mentality of where you were before you go, you find Christ. And you give your lives to Jesus. You see, sin hasn't vanished. And some of us sometimes when we get saved, we we can't understand why, but we still seem to be grappling with the old sin here and there. And things seem to be difficult. and We can't understand why, as saved people, why do we grapple with this? But sin, let me tell you, never vanished. Sin is in this world. It will never vanish until the day when Jesus makes all things new again. But until then, we grapple with this problem. We deal with sin. You see, sin's not vanished, but what, what's happened is this. Jesus has, has took the power of sin over our lives. He's broken that power. So he gives us a choice and a freedom to choose again. I remember when I got saved, and I remember going to see my boss, and I may have told this story before, but I I booked an hour's meeting with him just to tell him that I have got saved, and I I said, I need to put a meeting with you. And and he didn't know what the meeting was about, but I went in there. Normally we talked about work things, but this time I was going to tell him that I'm washed in the blood of the Lamb. He wondered what I was talking about. I said, I did. I I used those words now in hindsight. I think I should have chose different kind of words, but he wondered what I was saying when I said I'm washed in the blood of the Lamb. He, He looked at me, and, you know, this is... A marketing director of a huge company. and um, But I just told him the straight thing. Do you know what? God was doing something so special in my heart. I just wanted to tell him what Jesus was doing in me. And I said, do you know what? I've got freedom. He said, freedom? You said to me that you're not going to do any of the things that we're doing anymore. He says, how can you have freedom? And I realized actually that it's not about the things I can't do. But the freedom that comes from Christ is that I know that he's set me free from the power of sin. The freedom to choose again. And I thought, the thing is, mate, you don't have the freedom to choose. But I have the freedom by the power and the grace of God to choose what I want. Before I just did what the pattern of this world does. Just because that's what I did. That's what everyone does. And you'll find the most of the time that most of the people who think they've got freedom are actually bound. Do you know that? When you talk to your friends and you say, I'm saved. They say, well, you've got a lot of problems now because you can't do certain things. Listen, when they are wrapped up in sin, they are bound. They do not have a freedom to choose. You are free from sin's power. And Paul makes a poignant statement and says, you are dead. To sin, Get this in your head this morning if you can, because you are dead to sin. Do you know what death looks like? It's not nice, is it? I mean, I've been a few times, I've seen people, in, and I've been to visit my family members who've died, and I've been into the, the, the rooms, and when they're dead, they are dead. And it's not a nice thing. We love them, but it's something, something's gone. It's an emptiness. It's dead. I remember my, when I was a young boy and I, there's a lady in church who once sung, she was singing on the stage, she died singing the song item. The ambulance came. They collected. She, she was a lovely woman of God. She sung up on. The, she stood up on the Sunday night to sing a song. And we all. In, 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 when I was younger, those days they had lots of song items. You'd have a song item on the gospel service. Someone would get up to sing. This lady, who I'd watched all my life as a young boy in church, gets to stand at the at the at the front and she sings a song. And halfway through the song, she dropped dead on the on the platform. The ambulance came. We didn't try to raise her from the dead. We didn't have much faith then. She dropped dead, and people ran in, the ambulances came in, and they took her out on a stretcher. They were shouting all these things, and they went. She died. She, she, You know, we never saw again. Do you know the the line of the song? She was singing, when she died and she fell, was singing about, Jesus, call me, and I will follow you to you. And as she sung this line, she dropped dead. It was, she'd been feeling ill, but the line, no one ever, everyone always remembers the line she sung as she went to be with the Lord, and we just thank God, I think he listened to her, be careful what you say, Sam, be careful what you're singing, you never know, but you know what, we say these funny stories, but I know she's with the Lord now, she's rejoicing with Jesus, and I know if she was here, she'd be laughing uh, about that, because I, I think she's in a much better place, especially these days, but do you know what, I haven't got into this yet, but... We are dead to sin. Death. When something is dead, it's dead. The part two of this session is looking at sin in Romans 6. But the title of it is, Dying is Living. Dying is Living. Now I, um many years ago I went around to someone's house. I got saved and I noticed they got lots of books on the shelf. Lots of Christian books trying to look holy. And we've all got them, you know. And I went around then. I looked and I was looking through some of the titles of the books. And one of them was Dying is Living. I remember it. And I thought... This is crazy. I'm not going to get into something. that To die is to live. This sounds fanatical. Dying is living. That doesn't make sense. Listen to me. When you have the power to choose and you die to sin, there's a freedom that comes from it. Listen to me. The more you die to yourself, the better you're going to be. And I've soon realized in my Christian walk that the more I get rid of what I am, the more I become of what he is, the better I'm going to be. You know, I, I, we all think sometimes we're getting really far in our Christian walk, But listen to me. The less you can be of yourself, that's not losing your personality and character, but your flesh that will contaminate you. It will rob you. We have to have the power to overcome sin. Dying is living. I couldn't understand that book, but I do today. The point one today is this, that I believe that we've got to do this. We've got to observe that when things are dead in our lives, when sin is dead, it is really dead. It doesn't have a power to control us again. Number one today is what stays, what's dead stays dead. What's dead stays dead. Do you know the enemy loves to get you resurrecting things? He loves to get you going back to the old stuff, trying to resurrect what is dead. And trying to breathe life into something. I'll tell you, if he wants to get you raising the dead, he'll get you raising your old self. He doesn't want you to go raising the dead of uh, of people physically. He wants you to go raising your old self to look at who you were and say, listen, listen, son, daughter, you're not that person who Jesus says you are. You're that person. How can someone be changed? Do you know what? I say it many times, but the thing is, the greatest miracle that I have ever seen and I love to watch is when someone's transformed by Jesus. Not just a healing or a miracle, when someone is truly transformed. That nothing could do it other than the Spirit of God. I love it. I absolutely love it because I know that that is resurrection power at work. It's resurrection power at work. What's dead stays dead. Friends, this morning, understand that when you in your Christian walk are going along, and sometimes you feel like saying, well, I'm sure I'm that person still. Listen to me, the enemy is going to try. The devil does everything he can to get us to start picking at the old. Trying to resurrect what's dead. When it's dead, it's dead. At the power of the cross, it was finished. It's finished. The thing is, you're still going to have sin hanging around. But it gives you the ability, freedom to choose. Because you are in Christ Jesus. Romans 6 verse 1, Paul says this. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace... May increase by no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Or don't you know, he says, the message says, didn't you realize? Some of us don't realize. We don't grasp the reality of that when we're baptized into Christ, we're dead to the old life. Hallelujah. I remember when I got baptized many years ago, I remember as I stood there and I, I, I prayed and said, God, I want to honor you in this moment. And as I was baptized, several people will be baptized today. Listen to me. We're not going down there just to get a certificate and a token for you. But we're going down there and there's a spiritual thing taking place. Listen to me. That water's not special. It's coming through the pump and the tank. But listen to me. It is a spiritual thing. And when you go down into that water and you come back up, there's a symbolic thing going taking place. But it's not just symbolism. There is a spiritual act taking place because you are dying to your old self and you're coming up alive in Christ. I'm afraid to say it today, but there's some people going to have a funeral this afternoon. You're going to have a funeral because you're saying no to the old life, death to the old life, alive in Christ. New life, new life what an amazing thing that in that cafe today it's the best thing than any latte that takes place is that god is going to bring new life forget the lattes forget the americanos we want life i can't wait for it i can't wait for it because i know that god is going to do something in your hearts for those here today you've been baptized i've been baptized but i never get i never get tired of seeing someone saying i choose to follow jesus i'm dead to sin Alive in Christ. Hallelujah. But God, you know, in our lives, some of us, we go along and the enemy is going to try and get us to pick back saying, look, you're dead. You're dead, but there are bits of you still there. Did you really get saved? You know, just the other day, I, have you ever had this that you couples out there, but you know, I keep, I, I sometimes I wonder, I wander into the room, Emma's, She's getting ready, and I see she's got a top on or something. And I think I've not seen that before. So I said to her, what, "Is that new?" She's, and she she's got a good line. She always says to me, she goes, "She's been there a long time." As far as I'm concerned, you know how much a long time is. That could have been a day, two days. You know, she could be talking in minutes a long time, and I and I don't question it too much. But do you know what it does to me? I just see it and I think, well, do you know what? I feel like I might treat myself to something. That's what I do. So then I thought, you know, she's got this. I, I think I might treat myself. I, I think I could do something. So the other day, I treated myself to something. So I was wandering into town, and I treated myself to this item of clothing, and I thought, I'll take this, and i put it in my bag. And then I got home, and I thought, she's going to be asking me questions. I thought, at this time, I don't normally do this, by the way, but don't tell her this. She's not here today. She's downstairs. I can say what I like. But don't, I know what you're like. You'll all be telling her. Now, listen, I, I thought, when I got home, I thought, what? I shouldn't have got this. So I hid the receipt. It's naughty, I know. I hid the receipt, and then I took the tags off and everything, and and I chucked things into the bin outside. And then a few days later, I got this item of clothing out and realized that it got marks all over it. But I thought, I've thrown the receipt away. So what did I do? And I'm sure many of us have done this. I went outside, and I thought, I've got to find the receipt that I tried to hide. So I went into the bin. Boy, oh, boy, did this bin smell. I mean, we're talking about, you name it, everything is in this bin, this black sack. I was there holding my breath as I went through trying to find this receipt. I thought, when I find it, it's probably going to be covered in cheese and yogurt. And I'm thinking, I've got to find this proof of purchase. And as I go through, the stench of what I was looking through was disgusting. And I was trying to find my proof of purchase amongst this. I couldn't find it anywhere. I thought, I must have been good at hiding this. I must have put it inside a crisp packet or rolled it up and... Really tried to hide, and I tried, and I, I actually closed the whole bag up, went inside, carried on getting ready, and then I thought, actually, I need to try again. So I went back out, undid the whole thing, went back in again. I thought, I didn't try hard enough. I went through the bag. This thing absolutely stank. The stench was terrible. And then, do you know what I realized is that some of us do this. I realized that some of us, we are trying to find our proof of purchase. We're trying to find... Where we got saved. is this, has this really happened? As my salvation really occurred. And we go digging around in the dirt. We go digging around in the stench of sin. Looking to try and find. It, did I really get saved? Is my receipt? Is my proof of purchase for Christ here? And we go digging in the wrong places. Do you know what I found out several days later? I actually went to the shop and they gave me. A refund. They'd sorted it out without the receipt. Thank God. You know, I think the Lord was upon him that day. I just prayed and, and God opened the door. You know, I found out a few days later, I kicked myself. I'd hidden the receipt. I'd not put it in the bin. I'd put everything else in the bin except the receipt. I'd hidden it in a place. I'd, I'd hidden it in a place that I couldn't even find it myself. I'd hidden it so well. I'd forgot where I'd hidden it. It was in such a good place. And I found this receipt and I kicked myself. I thought I could have shown that proof of purchase. I'd hidden it in such a secure place. Colossians 3 verse 3 says this. For you died. And your life is now hidden. With Christ in God. In other words. You're not in that pit of sin. He's hidden your life. Your proof of purchase. Your proof that Jesus paid the price and bought you. Is with him. It's hidden with Christ. And some of us need to stop. Digging around in the rubbish. Because it smells. It stinks. Sin. The stench of sin smells. God doesn't like it. And he doesn't want his children looking in there too. Because listen, as far as the east is from the west, so are our sins from him. Amen. How far they've been moved away. And some of us today are so, we're looking for them saying, well, there's still a little bit of me. There, I can see it. Listen, you're always going to be fighting with yourself. But God has broken the power of sin through his death. Romans 6 verse 4, Paul said this, We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Listen to me. Many people don't talk about the resurrection life. We talk about we died to sin, all our sins are covered, but listen to me, Paul clearly talks here about a new life, the resurrection life. If Christ died and was raised from the dead, then we are eligible within that to live that new life. And some of you today are saying, well, I don't, I don't know if I feel like that sometimes. Sometimes we feel that we don't deserve that life. I'm just, just forgive me of the sin and I'll, I'll, I'll take that deal. But I don't know about living a life, a resurrection life. Do I deserve that? Jesus, I, I understand you were the sinless one. Listen, Jesus went to the cross for the joy set before him went to the cross to deal with it for you so you could live the resurrection life. In fact, you're eligible. You're included in that. And today I want to encourage you, for those who are feeling low and you feel defeated by sin, that you can stand today with your head lifted high. Because you, your life is hidden with Christ in God. But also you are eligible and included. What a what an amazing gift that Jesus gives us. We are eligible for this. The message says this in verse, verses 6 to 11 towards the end. If we get included in Christ's sin conquering death, we also get included in his life-saving resurrection. If we get included in Christ's sin conquering death, we also get included in his life-saving resurrection. Not only have we die to sin, but we're included in this resurrection. I want to encourage you today, however you feel. However low you feel today, and there's some people here today are grappling with sins, bad stuff. You think you can't not. You think you can't get on the head. Listen, we are going to do this. We're going to f- go through these times, but I believe that Jesus wants to give you the power to break free from these things. Some of us don't live in all of the fullness of our salvation. We don't live in that inclusion of resurrection. You know, have you ever noticed this? There's a restaurant we go to nearby where we live. And I remember going there and they come out and they, they ask you what you want for your dinner. And I ordered this meal. And then halfway through the meal, and if you know me, I like chips. She came out partway through the meal and she said this to me. She said, would you like more chips? Silly question. Why did you need to ask? Would you like more chips? The problem is the first thing that we all think when someone offers something that there is a cost. So I said... No, I'm okay, thank you. Because as a true Yorkshireman, I like a good deal. And I don't like to pay above the odds. And I thought, I'm not paying for extra chips. But then she said this, but they're bottomless chips. You can, you, you can have them for free. It's funny, your diet, your hunger comes back then, doesn't it? I said, oh, in that case, I'll have a, I'll have one then. It's funny when we're, when we know something's free, we'll take it. Before that, I said, "No, no, no, I'm full thanks. But it's free, they're bottomless chips. Actually, go on then. Do you know some of us, we didn't read, we don't read the terms and conditions, we don't read the small print of the deal that's in the Bible of our salvation that says that you are living a resurrection life. Listen to me, you're not just dead to sin, but you get all the benefits of resurrection life. Some of us don't read the small print because we don't think we deserve to have anything else extra. But Jesus wants to remind you today, read his word, get his word into you, understand so that the enemy, when he comes to try and rob you of this and try to tell you that you're something different and you're nitpicking inside the bin and you're looking for your old proof of purchase, know this this morning, that you are forgiven, that you have a life, a resurrection life in him. By the way, if it's any, um, for the record, when I did look in the bin, I didn't find the tickets that Emma had thrown away in there. I did have a look for them, but they just weren't there. You'll know what that means if you listen to last week's message. They just weren't there. Some of us don't realise the deal that's on offer. We just don't read the small print. We don't read the small print. Do you know what we do when we do this? I want to listen to me, this is serious. When we don't understand the deal, and when we don't understand that we have resurrection life as well, we actually do something. We actually break the second commandment. That is we make a God in our own image. We create a God in our own image. We create salvation in our own image. We create what we want salvation to look like in the way we think it should be done. Listen to me very clearly. We are not good at making up what salvation should be. We should work out our own salvation, but listen to me, the Holy Spirit will reveal to you. And When you understand grace, you won't fathom it. You see, Paul says, count yourselves dead to sin. In other words, get your, get your calculator out. Work this out because it doesn't make sense. The numbers don't add up. The columns in your Excel spreadsheet are never going to work out how you want them to. Because when you count yourselves dead to sin, you'll see that in equations it doesn't work. Because I have forgiven you. That's what grace is. You'll never get it on paper. And some of us, we fail the second commandment. We create this God in our own image. The one that we want to see. The one that we think we deserve to be. And we create this God. But I want to encourage you today. You don't have to make a God in your own image. The only God you need to make in your own image is the one that gives his life for you. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Thank you, Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17 says, all things have become new. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold." All things have become new. <sighs> you know? Isn't that amazing? You know, what I find amazing, when I bought our car recently, a few years ago, you get something and it looks new and you get inside, it smells new, but doesn't these things, they soon start breaking down. You start taking them to the garage, they break down, they rust, and they get worse and worse. Listen to me. You do not change. We're going from glory to glory to glory to glory. Amen? Look. I'm starting to feel recently when things start going wrong with you, you know, when you start feeling a few more pains than you used to think when you were younger. And I'm thinking, what is wrong with me? And we just, you get a little bit older and a few more pains, they start to come. And I'm just hoping that the guys will pray for me when I get these pains. But listen to me, we are going to get older. We're going to get pains. Listen, we do believe in healing, but we are, our bodies are going to decay and die eventually. It's appointed to every person that we will die. You can't resurrect everyone. At one point, Jesus is appointed a day when you will be took. Just like the lady who fell on the stage. Every one of us will have to die one day. So we are all leading. Our body, our flesh is leading to that day. But our spirit has come alive. We're alive in him. So don't look at your body when you're weak and you're frail and saying, look, I'm not new. I'm, I'm not a new creation. You are because the Bible says that one day you will receive a new body. I'm not sure what mine's going to look like. I'm hoping it's going to be a little bit thinner. I'm hoping that I'm not going to have desires for extra chips, but I believe it's going to be an amazing body. I think it's going to be amazing, unique, and special, how it should have always been intended to be without sin in the world. All things have been made new. Number two we need to do today is when we've got to leave the dead things alone, we've got to get rid of some habits. By the power that God gives us, get rid of the habits in our lives. God doesn't erase our minds of sin. He doesn't erase them of sin. It's still there, but our eyes are open to it. We're aware of these things. We're aware of what's wrong and what's right. He gives us that moral indicator in our lives to make those decisions. Bad habits sometimes still linger. But listen to what Paul says in Romans 6 verse 13. He says, do not. This is after he's told us, you know, we're dead. We baptize into Christ. Then he says this, do not offer any part. In other words, he's saying to, to them straight away, listen, it's actually possible for you to offer parts of your body still to sin. In other words, you have been set free. You're, you're free from the power of sin, but you have the choice to offer those parts back to sin. And so some of us today, you may be thinking, well, I thought that when I'm saved, God just stops everything from happening. No, you have choices to make that you have to be careful you don't offer parts of your body. And it's interesting that Paul says part, because he doesn't say just offer yourself back to sin. Parts. I believe some of us today offer parts of ourselves. We think we're so holy and we carry on living and we leave some parts just carrying on sinning. Because 90% of us, we've got under control. But the 10%, we've just let this thing crush us. We think we've got it under control. But eventually that will contaminate us and ruin us. He says, don't offer any part. In other words, I know that you you might think, well, I can just have a little bit of pleasure, some guilty pleasure every now and again. Look, it's not legalism. It's the fact that God has given you the power to choose. He says this, do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And offer every part, he says, of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. Hallelujah. Are you offering yourself, any part of yourself to sin? Have you said, well, if I do that, no one knows. And I'm just going to leave that part because 90% of me feels like a good Christian. That 10%, I can, I can deal with that. I can hide that and actually it's not really ruling me but actually it will it will it will cripple you in time have you noticed this that sometimes i've you see sometimes people will say to people it's nice to see you back to your old self again and do you know what sometimes in your christian walk you're tempted to start doing some of the things you used to in your old life so that your friends around you will like you more so that he sees back to his old self again listen to me it's not nice to see you back to your old self again I don't want to see you back to your old self again. I want to see you new and alive in Christ. Forget the nice nice to see you back to your old self. The only reason people like to see you and not Christians, you back to your old self again, is that you've joined their club again. That they feel good about the stuff that they're doing wrong. That you're joining them and encouraging them in their sin. Have you ever noticed, when I've tried to, we've tried to lose weight before and you tried to go on these diet programs. Not programs on TV, but you go on to these, these things and you know, if you feel like you've slipped up, sometimes I feel like getting a bag of M&M's and helping Emma to slip up with me, just so that she can join me on this this failure. You know, because I hate to see if she, you know, I shouldn't be like that, but I just think I failed, so let's just have a bag of chocolates together and we'll both cry on each other's shoulder. Well, that's what people do. Your friends, your friends in your life will try to get you To offer parts of yourself and say it's nice to see you back to your old self again. No, it's not. It's not nice. It's not nice to see it because your old self is dead in Christ. When freedom comes in new life, we've got the power to choose. Do you know what Jesus went on to say in Matthew chapter 5? He says some very, very serious things. In Matthew 5, he says that we need to cut off parts of our body that have been corrupted. Now, listen to me. I don't want any of you to go home today when I read the scripture to begin to cut any parts of your body off. That I don't think that's what Jesus meant. But Matthew 5, verse 29 to 30 says this. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Verse 30. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off, throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Jesus is saying here, if you've offered, and it's interesting again, the the similarity between what Paul says about the parts of our body. In other words, he's talking about your hand, your eye, these small areas of your body. Your hand, it's, it seems so small compared to everything else. Your eye, just one eye, just it's been causing you to sin. It's been looking the other way when the other eye is trying to look the other way. It's such a small area, small part. But what Jesus is trying to say is, get rid of it. Cut it out of your life. Because a small part, what you think you've got in control, has enough to eventually damage you. And some of us today need to cut out some of these things. And how can I do that? How can I cut out these things? You know, when I—if you know me—I don't only like chips, but I love Indian food. It's one of my most favourite foods. I would have Indian food every single day. By the way, if there's any Indian people here, you can cook for me. I might have—I might have a program instead of the pretending I've had a child every week, and then everyone can bring me Indian food. But when I ride home. And I go through town, I go up Castle Hill, does anyone know where Castle Hill is? I go up Castle Hill and there's one of my favourite Indian restaurants, the Maharaja. I love that place. And when I go past it on my bike and I'm riding home, every time I ride past it, the smell up the whole of Castle Hill, the most hardest part to ride up, smells of curry. And so I ride up this hill and it's so defeating because I'm trying to exercise and I'm smelling the smells of curry and thinking I should just get one on the way home. And do you know, at one point, I used to ride a different way home so I didn't have to ride past it to be tempted to go and buy a curry. You know where it is, don't you? And I used to go a different way home. Do you know, some of us, you're saying, how do I cut it out? Listen, Jesus is not saying for you to cut off your eye or your hand. He's saying, get rid of some of this stuff. Some of you got to change your journey where you're going. Somebody got, some of you have got to change your route. And if on multi-map, if on Google Maps it tells you that it's going to be a little bit longer to go that way. Because you have to miss somewhere. Some of you need to stop going near the shops where you're tempted to buy magazines. Some of you need to stop going on the internet. Some of you need to cut these things out of your life. Not your hand or your eye. And do you know what? If it means you've got to go a little bit longer route round. What you're doing is you're cutting out the temptation. You're cutting out the, the the opportunities for you to slip up again. And to offer these parts of yourself to sin. I want to encourage you, you can do it. And do you know what? I really believe that when the Holy Spirit, when Jesus sees us do these things, that we choose to probably take a longer route round because we don't want to be tempted by sin. That he will help us. The Holy Spirit will say, this is the kind of person... Who wants to follow after righteousness. Therefore my spirit will encourage them and lift them up. But those who don't. Who say no I'm going to leave this part of my body just to keep doing this. Because no one knows. It's a bad habit. Listen to me there's bad habits probably in in here all across this room today. We've all got them including me. But do you know what Jesus has the power today in this meeting. And any meeting for that matter. Or any time to set people free. Some of us today may need to come back to the cross again and say, do you know what? I am failing. I'm doing things. I know I need to change my journey and my route. I know I need to stop looking at things and put some things in place today. Because these things have began to break me. And if that's the case, I want to encourage you today when we get to the close of this meeting, we want to pray for you. That God helps you not to condemn you or to say, ah, another one who's failing. No, listen, we all fail. But I want every one of us to live in resurrection life. Let's put an end to this stuff. and We do it together as the body of Christ. Do you know when the person, the lady was there in adultery and the the men were going to cast a stone. Jesus said, the one without sin cast the first stone and no one could. Do you know what? There's no one here can throw any stones. No one here can throw any stones at anyone because every one of us are sinners. Every one of us, as we sung this morning, majesty, your grace has found me just as I am. In other words, the mess I am, I'm not going to accept my life in that old bag of rubbish. I'm going to accept that in that drawer that it's so secure that no one can find it's hidden with Christ in God. Hallelujah. The final thing today is this. that Some of us need to update our status. If you know what that means, you go on Facebook or you go on some of your social media these days. Some people, they update their status all the time. You know, I am now drinking a coffee at Costa. Well, thank you very much. I'm now having a baptism service in a coffee shop. But listen, most people will put these updates. They're updating their status, telling us what they're doing, who they are. Sometimes you see all of a sudden it comes up and this person's got married. The only time you find out someone's got married is through Facebook. Because people update their statuses. Do you know what you need to do today? Some people need to grasp what salvation is. What God has done in your life. That you are a child of God. That you are a slave to righteousness. And update your status. I want you to look at this. Because just as we come to finish. In this last point. Paul describes. Later on than what we read in Romans 6. Verse 20 to 22. Paul gives a description. Of what we are in Christ. And he says that we're a slave. Actually a lot of people say well I'm a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. Do you know what? The Bible actually tells you you are a slave. You're a slave to righteousness. You're slaves of God. Some of you are saying well that's not freedom. It is because you realize when you're a slave to God you are free. The creator. You're a slave to your creator. The one who made you knows you inside out. Let's look where he says. Romans 6 verse 20, 22. Paul says this. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. Do you see that? When you were doing the things you used to do, you were were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. Verse 22. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness And the result is eternal life. It's interesting, he says, it leads to holiness, not makes you completely holy. Some of us today, we know we're not holy, but we're leading to holiness. In fact, listen to me, the next time you sin or you do something wrong, you need to start doing this. You need to tell yourself, I am the righteousness of God. I am the righteousness of God. When you fail Jesus, when you do it wrong and you get something wrong, you start to tell yourself that I am the righteousness of God. The more you say it, the more you'll begin to realize the truths of what I'm saying. In fact, you'll probably not want to sin anymore when you understand that you are the righteousness of God. Because when God looks at us, he sees his son. He sees what his son did on the cross for you and for me. It's interesting. Paul uses, as I come to close soon, this illustration. It's like a parable of a slave. And if if you look in the times gone by, and the times when he was writing, when this was written, then they would have seen slaves in the marketplace. They would have seen, people would have been aware of what it was. You could go into the marketplace, you could buy a slave. You could buy a slave there. And these people would be chained up and they would say, I want to purchase this slave. And they understood the concept. That's why it's written in this way, for them to understand it. And for some of you today, I want you to grasp this because some of you are like those slaves in that marketplace, chained before you were saved. But do you know what? Jesus walked through the marketplace in your life on a certain day and you know it. And he walked through that place and he said, I want to purchase you. I want that one. And I want you. Let him go because I've paid the price. And now, no longer are we slaves to sin, but we are slaves to righteousness. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 6.20 says, you were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Some of us are looking back to that old identity. We haven't updated our status. We're saying, well, I am that old person. I've been digging around there. Recently, I went with Emma to a, a park and we went to this fun day and she was going on with the kids and as I walked in, I saw this, this sac, what they call an archaeological Saxon dig-taking place. And I went up to this area, and there was this dig-taking place. And Emma's there with the kids, and I'm more interested in the, the archaeological dig. I'm thinking, what's been going on here? So I'm stood with all this team, and they're looking at this whole dig. This is just in Cambridge. And as they dug up, they're revealing the, the past. And this they showed me this lady that was on a horse. This Saxon lady on a horse, and all of her jewelry is still there intact on the, on the body. And they said this woman would have been someone who was recognized as very high official in this area, in this village, and the, the jewelry is there. And I thought it's amazing that those identities, those things on her are still there, even in this, this decayed body. And some of us, do you know, we're looking back to that death, that old body, and we're looking for our old identity. But there's a new identity in Christ. Some of you need to update who you are. I'll, I just want to read these things to you to tell you what the Bible says your identity is. Not what the grave says, but what your, the Bible says your identity is. Number one, you are God's child. Galatians 3.26. Number two, you are Jesus' friend. John 15.15. 15. Number three, you are a whole new person with a whole New life. 2 Corinthians 5.17. You are, number four, a place where God's spirit lives. 1 Corinthians 6.19. Number five, you are God's work of art. Ephesians 2.10. Number six, you are totally and completely forgiven. 1 John 1, 19. Number 7, you were created in God's likeness. Ephesians 4, 24. Number 8, you were spiritually alive. Ephesians 2, 5. Number 9, you were a citizen of heaven. Philippians 3, 20. Number 10, you were God's messenger to the world. Acts 1, verse 8. Number 11, you were God's disciple maker. Matthew 28, verse 19. Number 12, you are the salt of the earth. Matthew 5, 13. Number 13 you are the light of the world, Matthew five fourteen. Number 14, you are greatly loved, Romans 5, verse 8. And number 15, you are adopted into God's family, Ephesians 1, verse 5. <laughs> Hallelujah. Stop going to the grave. Stop nitpicking at the grave because you won't find those promises of who you are there. You'll find a false old identity. You'll find the old jewellery, the brooches that say who you were. But listen to me, there is no better person than you can be than the new creation in Christ. It's the person that God intended you to be. That in Psalm 139 when it says that you were designed in your mother's womb before anyone came, any day came to be. He knew in that book of days, he knew each day in your life. There's a promise of your life. We are children of God, slaves to God, slaves to righteousness. No longer slaves to sin and fear, but slaves to God. Come on, let's stand. Thank you for listening, and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church, or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.